This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons. Patrons like Chelsea and Nathaniel. If you want to help us keep making the show free like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is Season 10, Episode 3, covering Day 6 through 10 of Wolfstride. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is... Simple and any all pronouns. Ryan Beatty, pronouns are they them. So, what happened last time? What happened last time is that we got into a fight with our new anime rival, who is a young pig named Fancy Jack. He has a cool coat. We love him. We met more of the crew. We dug up a robot named Peepoo, who everyone dislikes, except for me. And I don't really dislike Peepoo. I just already experienced the secret Stockholm Syndrome. So that's where we're at. And where we're at is we have a rematch with Fancy Boy in was two days, but now it's one day as we start day six with 57 days remaining. One day left. We kick off the day in front of an only slightly less destroyed than last time cowboy. Duke is annoyed that Shade slept in while they took things over to uh, give it a scan. Knife is not there, and Duke says that because Shade slept in, uh, Knife went to go see Double Z about Peepoo. I love this uh, line from Duke where he says, Crap, I don't know what this kid sees in all those worthless pieces of junk. Dude, Smalley loves them all. And then Shade goes, Robots are cool. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. Overall... <laughs> Wow, cool roboting all over the place. It happens. But, <laughs> one of those robots is Peepoo, who is not cool. <laughs> you, you haven't seen his final transformation. He might be cool. He can transform, we know that. Mm-hmm. So Duke needs us to pick up some stuff, you know, just groceries, and he heard there's a new convenience store in town we can get it from. He also wants to know what our plan for tomorrow is. It seems dumb to him to think we could beat Fancy Boy tomorrow when we just got our clock cleaned the day before, but Shade says he's working on it. Duke tells us while we're working on it, we should go see Hog because he's got our money. Uh, I want to point out this game makes really great use of like the anime impact sound effect for emphasis yeah. and shock. There's this little screen shake and white flash when you were talking to duke and he's like oh don't worry i'm gonna channel i'm gonna fix this robot by channeling the power of hate uh and then he like is bam 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 bamming all over the place um also i don't know if it's hd rumble but the switch version also makes good use of the rumble effects to really emphasize this impact and like you know make it shake as it's coming out of the uh as it's coming out of the screen which uh just feels really good it it keeps me engaged it's really nice there's, there's no rumble on pc which is a bummer yeah i can understand why given people like me who have real freak controller setups <laughs> yeah I, i'm not quite like the i'm guy using the most made... default controller possible 
possible, though. It's like an Xbox One controller. So you, it, that just tells me they don't support it at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite the freak who got in an argument with the Bastion devs, but I'm close. <laughs> well, you're talking to the guy with like a weird $700 keyboard that we're both, there's two halves and they're at 45 degree angles. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so we head to the Hogs Yard and, uh, and Hog himself is absent, but his nephew Fancy Jack has our cash. When we ask where Hog went, Jack tells us he's off getting some new parts for Fancy Boy. Jack has also never seen anything like our mech. The best he could find was scant info on the P1 Gallo 01, and even that was very hard to find out about. The Gallo 01 was the first Chinese mech with plans to mass produce it. On top of that, there's only one zero one active piloted by a Chinese man named National Legend. Okay, so I love that name, by the way. Yeah, National Legend is great. So uh, just keeping score here, we've got uh, the Americans explicitly mentioned, the Soviets explicitly mentioned, now the Chinese are mentioned directly, and they all still seem to be loaded with meaning from our world and deployed intentionally, but it's still unclear, you know, where the split and when the split between our world and this, like, you know, human animals world uh, happened. But it is it, it is still very much deploying real-world references uh, very intentionally without really telling us what the intention is yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can head off to the crackyard. The only thing notable there is that Z is missing. But on our way there is the first time you can run into the Mangoose. The Mangoose is a man hide a drum set with a little speaker set up in the middle of the highway with a big floppy goose hat like it's just the neck of a goose coming off of the top of the guy's head <laughs> like he's a like he's a tingle the head uh-huh. just kind of flops around back and forth and i love shane's dialogue every time because it's so funny in comparison to how the mangoose looks he goes, that's the man goose the world is on fire crisis after crisis mankind at its worst the story lies behind the mangoose, the mangoose flies on by. And then you can pay up one to ten, one to five or ten dollars to hear a sick little drum song with some quack sounds in it. Yeah, I love uh, how uh, the options are uh, support the miserable motherless musician, and that costs less than support the miserable uncleless musician. They understand that the uncle is the funniest family relation. Yeah, uh-huh. I've always thought niece, but that's just me. I think Uncle uh, is way funnier. Trillbilly's a lot of hay I made out of uncles there. Okay. Also, the word avuncular is a great fucking word <laughs> pertaining yeah. to uncles. Oh, yeah, just the mangoose wouldn't work for me unless the uh, like street drum beats that he plays when you pay him weren't super sick, but the beats are yeah, sick, good. and so it's, it's great. I just need to make say, Matt make that music for the episode. I suspect <laughs> the mangoose here is probably going to be the episode art unless there's another easy target, but the mangoose looks like you combined two Rhythm Heaven sprites together. That is the exact <laughs> yeah. proportions that are going on in this character. Yes. I'll say right now, I have Dark Reader enabled, and the way it works with Google Chrome is it just inverts all of these images. So the mangoose is very spooky. Ooh, yeah, Demon <laughs> Mangoose. So, right off the bat at the Rambler and Gambler Konbini, we are greeted by a young black girl named Kaya. We grab the stuff and head out, and after that, Kaya talks to her mother Sayuki about us. 
Kaya thinks that we looked like a gangster, and by we I mean Shade, and wonders that they've already found the two of them. We don't know who they are, but we can probably make some guesses. It's at this point, you should start hoarding pineapples. Every time you get the chance to buy one, you should buy one. All right, so let's just talk about this game's inventory system, by which I mean it doesn't have one, but it does. I think that's great. I love that. Most of the items you can buy are joke items. There's like, here's the right item, and then increasingly different spellings of it with good descriptions. (laughs) And... If you are a sicko who has one million real dollars, you can end up just buying out the entire Rambler and Gambler daily. Yeah, yeah that's what I do. I'm paying money. Here's some fake money for these good jokes. Enjoy it. Yeah. Some of the items seem to come up later. So a couple of them really do actually flag something. But mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, there's no inventory. You can't view any of these items after you buy them. You can't check uh, how you much can, you have. You can, because some of them go to the gadgets menu, like some training do, but area. Most, most of these just vanish. Yeah. Anyhow, back at the hangar, Z has appeared again and is wrapping up the repairs on Pipu. By all logic, Z says that Pipu seems to be totally busted. It should be working now and doesn't. Then she goes on to complain about her rival hog and says that Pipu should be sold for scrap as it is worthless junk. Immediately, Pipu comes to life and calls Z a dinosaur. Knife's just overjoyed Pipu is working again and tries naming it Marlene, which Pipu is not having any of. Yeah, Pipu says in his demon voice with his demon face that I like, Who the fuck is Marlene, you fuck? <laughs> I, I feel like I would probably warm to Pipu more if it had one less affectation. Yeah. Pipu has a that, lot of affectations. I know. Uh-huh. And I, I think I just constantly want one less. So, yeah, we mentioned briefly last time that Pipu talks in a very high-pitched voice and swears a lot. But Pipu has a language moderator, so it is all replaced by loudly saying, Pee! Still don't love this. Yeah, it really, I I like everything else about Pipu, but the P thing, it's also, the voice actor is doing a good job with the material, but the way that he says P is also really obnoxious. And so that, more than anything else about Pipu, really grates and really prevents me from liking him as a character overall, despite, like, yeah, the demon face is great. The, like, weird, like, possessed, angry demon voice that he gets is great. But the pee shit, I cannot see overcoming that into me liking him. One out of one nine-year-olds approve of pee poo. (laughs) (laughs) The issue is that the pee is just read in the style of a censor beep, but they didn't want that. They wanted a funny version. So this is what we got. Mm-hmm. Sensor beeps are funny. Exactly. I use them uh, to great effect in editing. Yep. So, Pipu threatens us by asking if we remember uh, how a Terminator went. He then complains that the music that is playing in the hangar is really shitty, and so it becomes battle music. The music then changes to sad backstory piano as Pipu tells us his backstory. One day, a sad man was wandering around, then he had a brilliant idea to make a robot, and that's how Pipu was born, a creature made only to struggle. 
But the man made a mistake and he made Peepoo too intelligent. One night, Poopoo crawled away from his home and swore revenge on his creator. There's a long pause. The screen fades in and Duke asks what is the end of the story. The camera zooms in ultra close to Peepoo's face and he says he got bored and then asks to switch bodies with Cowboy. Did you imagine? <laughs> and there's this whole thing where, you know, this is just Frankenstein. Peepoo just read off Frankenstein. Uh-huh. Peepoo agrees to help us and to train Knife. And Peepoo tries multiple ways to describe how shitty he thinks Knife looks, but the modulator keeps getting in the way before he just settles on calling him Donkey, an insult he can get through. <laughs> Duke calls Peepoo a bully. And Peepoo just, like, lays into the group in general with, uh, he goes, what's that? The nerd, the old-ass dog, the donkey, and the dinosaur? And then Z just threatens to turn off Peepoo, and the sad music starts again, and Peepoo says, do you know how lonely I was under the dirt? No one ever <laughs> liked me. And then he asks if he think he likes being in that chunky body, and he goes on and on about how he'll never be the president or an astronaut before Duke just cuts him off, saying, I'm gonna turn the robot off now. Uh, and then Peepoo agrees to train Knife and names like 20 different fighting styles he knows, one of which is Naruto. <laughs> Knife steps in to defend Peepoo and Z heads off saying she'll see us tomorrow. Tomorrow, And then uh, Peepoo flips to party mode and uh, once Z leaves. So at this point we can have a minute with the crew. Knife is absolutely in love with Peepoo and is immediately asking the robot to teach him Japanese. Uh, the Peepoo's like response to this is uh goofy as hell, where he says "omae wa mo shinderu" and then swears in Japanese. But the way it's like very portentous and huge. He's like "omae wa mo shinderu." It's it's goofy as hell. And for those of you who don't know, that's a fist of the North Star joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it doesn't quite come through in the conveyance, which is why I figured I'd just call him out. Thanks. When we deliver the food to Duke, his plan is to cook the milk to borderline rare, mince it, marinate it in more milk, add two eggs, and then cook it all, pouring in the beans until it gets a brown, creamy texture. Ugh. This is like one of the grossest things I have ever thought about. It is not only because I have seen true cooking channel disasters there's a korean guy who does just like what if we did this and some of the things they do are what if we decided to just make a cheese sauce out of craft american slices on a hot plate oh no oh yeah no, thanks. That, that is one of the least objectionable things they've ever done and i will probably just... make that work if you put in like some chorizo or whatever you could make that Nope, it was just that, a bit of milk to make sure it wasn't all solid, and then, yeah, it was basically this horrible fondue, which no. ended up being scooped over, I think, noodles in the end? Mm. No, 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 no. Yep. I'll have to get that link to Matt to really upset him later, and put <laughs> in the show notes. New cover art. <laughs> oh, oh, some of their thumbnails are absolutely vomit-inducing. Anyway, at the end of the day, Shade decides to try something new and asks Peepoo for intel on Fancy Boy. Peepoo tells us Fancy Boy is a customized heavy head model. We should watch out for its big left hook, which might inflict a full body hit if it somehow cheats and makes it invincible. 
he can also throw cars at range and magnetically create a junk shield. The gang will then cajole Duke to sticking around to gamble on dominoes. Now that we have four people, you can do that. Which they do every night once Nebraska leaves. Oh, spoiler. Uh, oh my god. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, so, oh yeah, this particularly, like, we're using Fancy Jack's own advice against him here because he was the one who was like, you idiot, you don't research the mech fights before you actually fight them? That's dumb. And then uh, the first the first actual like information we get is on Fancy Jack himself or Fancy Boy itself, rather. Yeah. So I um, think we already fought and don't everything about. Yeah. <laughs> um, we then get uh, an in-between days scene where uh, we get a voiceover from GW. He says uh, he welcomes death. He's been living in his flesh cage too long. He says that uh, we can't understand uh, that humans don't know shit about death. We still think that it's the end of it all. There's no such thing that is a poor human concept. He uh, continues shit-talking humans' relationship to death. And then we get the uh, new day title card, which uh, is day seven, 56 days remaining, and it's the night of the fight, Cowboy versus Fancy Boy. The day starts off at the uh, at the table in the hangar again. Duke tells Shade that the fight is today and that it is time for him to prove his worth. Knife tells Shade that Z called and she wants to see us. And on the way out, Peepoo tells us that he needs a treadmill for Knife's training. We can grab the treadmill, but also a coin shoot for the uh, broken jukebox at the Midnight Rider. At the crapyard, Z gives us a list of stuff she needs from Hog and a box to deliver to Hog. And when we go to Hog's yard, he asks us to throw Z's package directly in the trash and uh, <laughs> fetches our list of stuff. And as we leave, we get a scene, a scene of Hog opening the package, which is uh, predictably full of shit. It is uh, assumingly very gnarly because he just goes, Mother of God! <laughs> Shay gets a call from an angry Duke saying, Come to the hangar. We've got a situation. And when we arrive, there is a teenage girl named Nebraska looking for Shade. Shade's immediate response is to ask what she's doing here, and she tells him he's pretty hard to find. It took her seven years. I forgot Shade's... to put it in here because it didn't come up this episode, but her last name is Jones. This character is just named Nebraska Jones, which is a good-ass name for a character. That is. That's good. Except then you realize it's uh, named for Indiana, so... That's absolutely what they were going for there. Mm-hmm. That new movie's bad, by the way. Oh, I can only imagine. I could have told you that without seeing it. Good news, I didn't have to pay to see it. Shade Sprite then just slides left off screen, and we regain control and the city <laughs> menu outside the Midnight Rider. It's a pretty good gag. Yeah, Life's like, great. was that a micro moonwalk? Yes. <laughs> um, Nebraska's voice and visual design were very jarring to me. They didn't really fit at first. For some reason, like, this character who has like extremely fluffy sideburns i did not expect to have for her to have the voice that she had for some reason it it more matches sprite behavior than the drawn art like got mm -hmm. the voice of the person doing karate punches and kicks whenever they're excited yeah nebraska is probably the most interesting character to me so far just because Every assumption you could make does not fit. Mm -hmm. 
So, from here, the obvious thing to do with Shade is take him over to the Midnight Rider and start drinking. If you fix the jukebox, you can get back the cash you spent on the shoot and open up a effectively sound test menu. When you sit down at the bar, Joy can tell you're stressed, and the sad music plays over a black screen as Shade drinks multiple rum and cokes and wonders why Nebraska would show up now after seven years. He thinks about how no matter where he goes, his past always catches up. He can't deal with this anymore, and he's back to being his usual self. He's Yakuza. It's all he ever was. But the family life didn't and cannot suit him. And the family life is left ambiguous there in a nice touch. Also, we get a cute little bit of, not cute is the wrong word, but we get like just a micro little bit of characterization for Joy the bartender who can relate to shades running away from his family past and she's like oh yeah it's like walking on eggshells leaving your trail clumps of scars and wounds there's one thing about this which uh recontextualized shade for me in a way that i kind of hate which is he's fuck up kazuma kiryu straight up yeah uh-huh yeah i again yeah this I, this game really foregrounds its reference points in ways that sometimes when they're like taking from things that are are a little bit incongruous, it can be fun. But when you recognize every single one of the references, it can get a little old. That being said, I'm kind of here for fuck up Kazuma Kiryu a little bit. Like the, the, his like, clear regret and desire to be a better person but inability to like not be a shitbag haunted by his past is the hook for me in the early game but that's yakuza zero that's Majima. it is it is yakuza zero and it is majima and i i am still not not here for it yeah Mm -hmm. so an email comes in from Cherry Red, and it is an apology for not realizing Nebraska was planning to leave and find Shade, but not to worry, she'll bring her back. The email then asks how he's holding up. We hear the sound of gunshots, and Shade thinks, all these years have been building up this fucking wall. It only took a single crack to tear it down. All my hard work gone in a matter of seconds. I can't stand those eyes. So clearly he's trying to hate Nebraska because she reminds him of uh, of of his past that he was trying to get away from, but he just can't do it because it's Nebraska. Back to the bar. Shade tells Joy that he's trying to move on, but it keeps dragging him back. He can't stay. And here's where uh, we get a good little characterization moment for Joy, who can sympathize and asks, uh, and Shade asks her if it gets any easier. She tells him, everyone makes mistakes and it hurts to exist in the world. And she tried to get used to it, but you know how it is. Uh, Telling yourself otherwise is just a lie. And she says specifically, it's like walking on eggshells, leaving your trail, clumps of scars and wounds. Shade tells her all he has are those lies. He'll just have to deal with what life throws his way. And I think this is very funny to me because he's like, guess I'll try to be an adult. And then in the next scene, he immediately goes, well, I guess I'm going to be the adult here. Because <laughs> <laughs> we head back to the hangar. Knife's glad he's back. Shade immediately, instead, he, he steals himself to talk to Nebraska and then immediately avoids the problem by saying, we have a fight to win, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm going to deal with this later. We chop off the treadmill and Ipu begins training. What were you going to say? Oh, it's just amazing that Nebraska is still, like, very fond of him when he's just exhibiting so much avoidant deadbeat dad behavior here, and she's still like, oh, it's good to see ya. It's really easy 
to like a deadbeat dad who the thing they did wrong is not be there instead of being actively shit. Like when True. you're still a teen, like it it takes a lot for a kid to not really just love their dad no matter what. True. I'm ceasing to say something that would be too dark for this show, but let me just tell you, there are family stories about the lengths that someone who really wants approval will go to and put up with and still champion a deadbeat dad. It's basically impossible to be an adult and not have a lot of uh, stuff about 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 dads. Dads are not good. Mm-hmm. Fuck out because I'm making a podcast. I had a good dad. <laughs> we drop off the treadmill and Pipu begins training Knife immediately. He says, today is the day Knife ceases to just be an asshole who stumbled into a cockpit. Today is the beginning of his legend. The first steps on the road of his eternal triumph. Today, he becomes a real pilot. It doesn't matter what it takes or how it unfolds. Knife is already a champion. He is going to go and punch Earth in the face. And like the really like, <laughs> Pump up like low drum music here is so good with Pipu. <laughs> the end result of all of this is that we learned two moves. We learned to guard a uh, knockback punch. Guard will uh, apply a taunt to your right arm, and it's worth noting that the uh, only the really bad punch that you have already uses the same arm as the guard. So this is just like a freebie right now. You don't care about that arm. Knockback punch hits right in front of you for 30 damage and pushes the enemy back to, which is conveniently into the range of blind shooting. So at this point, we have a bit of crew check-in. Knife is just sprinting on the treadmill, which Pipu wants him to stop, so he's rested for the fight. But Knife is too amped up to give up. Big same, buddy. This is me every time I go an extra hour on the exercise bike. (laughs) Pipu says, is that your fucking daughter, nerd? And when Shade doesn't reply... Pipu tells him he should have paid the child support. <laughs> the, the venom with which Pipu calls Shade a nerd every time is really, really good to me. Of course it is. That's like one of your favorite insults. It's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska is extremely hyped that this big robot that she's standing next to is going to be in a fight tonight. And also she's like, really kind of vibing with knife. So, you know, that infection is just that infection. That enthusiasm is just infectious between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knife's giving knife, Nebraska knife an infection. We can't like talk about bad. what they did today. <laughs> um, and Duke being the closest thing to an adult in the room, just ask shade. So is the girl, your daughter. Shade says she's a friend, and Duke says it makes sense that he has teenage friends as they've got the same mental age. (laughs) Get his ass. Also, imagine trying to disown your daughter so hard that you tell all your other friends that that's your friend. (laughs) I I mean, once again, Kazuma Kiryu, the question mark about a daughter. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll start a whole orphanage rather than admit I might have fucked once. <laughs> Look, the most the most ace-seeming person to exist is Kiryu. The funny part uh, is, we now know that Kiryu has fucked. Oh no. <laughs> Men Our will start boy. an entire orphanage instead of going to therapy. To be fair, we now know Kiryu has fucked solely as a dunk on Ichiban. <laughs> 
So at this point, we can call in Z, and we are now locked in for the fight. Generally, when you call Z in, it is your last second opportunity to make repairs and change out any gear. Today, though, she has also brought all the blueprints and schematics we made of Cowboy. Uh, whenever you get a new higher level schematic, Cowboy's hit points go up as our knowledge of how it's built and how to use it increases. Uh, this essentially, each time that you get a new schematic, it doubles the HP of all of the parts, which is a really significant upgrade. When we roll out, Z also gives us our nano fluid, unlocking the nano gauge skills here. Uh, we start off with nano repair, which heals a part for 40 HP, which is uh, a full heal for uh, any non-central like any non-chest piece essentially at this point and uh we also get wizardry protocol which will uh resurrect a part on our mech that has uh gone offline love the image on wizardry protocol where it's like the star wars poster but duke holding the wrench up pretty good <laughs> there's a lot of little jokes in the skills which are incredibly blink and you miss it and i really wish there was an easier way to get higher res art of some of them because i can't quite make them out but i know they're mentioning something yeah also there's just like good jokes everywhere like in every skill description like even when they show you this skill description where it would be in the menu it's here's where the stuff you should know but don't is mm -hmm. wizardry protocol by the way is not something you should be relying on it's basically a one-time get out of surprise move free card. Yeah. Uh, as battles go on, you do not want to be in a cycle of trying to resurrect parts. These these fights no. should not go on long. The longer they go on, the more you have fucked up. Mm -hmm. I had, well, the build that I set up is extremely grindy. Okay. Maybe my style is incredibly different from that because uh, I started becoming Spider-Man. You'll see. <laughs> Love a high move build on this game. I like that we can, by the end of this episode, we will already have builds and the way that fights play out will be pretty different. Yes, we're about to really see that open up. Which is, yeah, it's interesting because like, it again, this is not for this moment, but when the um, arcade finally opened up and I could start fighting other robots, I realized how one note my build was and I was like, oh God, I don't know if I can... Like, I don't know if this combat system is going to hold up for me, like, just copy-pasting the exact same strategy over and over again. And then the very next uh, fight that I fought, the very next optional fight, uh, totally just, like, ate my lunch. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that I, uh, I'm i going to need to switch it up a little bit. So that that was a little thankful little thing for me because I kind of got pre-bored at my build after this first fight. You'll, like, start to get stuff, like, it has a minimum range where you can't hit the three squares next to you. Like, for mm -hmm. example, you'll get a lot of different stuff. I, I have a lot of moves like that right now. Yeah. Heading into the fight, in the stands, Nebraska is extremely excited, saying that this is the best day of her entire life. Uh, the fight here, like, Fancy Jack is the same, but this time we have actual options. The general goal here is to manage your distance so you're not so far that you can eat cars for free are close enough to move in for a knockback punch, but not stand right in front, or you'll take the knockback and then immediately be back and eating cars. 
the combination of knockback punch and blind shooting can uh, instantly break the shield as blind shooting is the randomness is centralized by the taunt effect. If you play it right and push Jack into the corner and keep killing the right arm when he revives it, the fight is a lot. And this is especially true because of a mechanic I forgot to put in the generalities. When a fighter is cornered by their opponent, you get a lock in the center of the arena, and that prevents any effect from pushing you back past that. So in this fight, since it's seven squares across, and you're in the second one, it only pushes you to your maximum move range, so you can immediately corner Jack again. Do we have any thoughts on the fight? My main thought is that it was just like really easy to lock him into a loop that he couldn't break out of. It felt like I I I was uh edge juggling in a fighting game. Yeah, like cornering is so powerful in the early game. Like later that plus 15 is like nice or whatever, but here you're like really shitty one AP attack doing 30 damage is like extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. I did the exact same thing I did the first time, except this time no parts were invincible. So it was me just beating a man to death in front of children. (laughs) When we win the fight, Knife is so motivated that we learn Nano Aid Protocol, which is like a regeneration effect. Uh, Seatbelts Lockdown, which gives you armor on your taunt arm and the head. And Pistol Punch, which is like another strong cooldown based attack. Uh, Foam Gun seems to be bugged on this results screen with the announcement referring to the events as a loser robot got beaten twice by some other losers. And I'm getting the sense this game doesn't branch well because that math doesn't add up either way and it expected me to win two fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Afterwards, Hug congratulates us and says, you know, I had a plan in case Fancy Jack died. And I'm like, excuse me? Wow. After the fight, the gang is at the Midnight Rider to celebrate. Everyone is pumped, but when Nebraska chimes in, Joy asks who she is, and she is now currently spelled like the one from uh, Blade Uh Runner. Good job. Shade once again calls her an old friend and asks if Joy has milk, because Nebraska is never not going to remind us that she is underage. Duke is busy being a happy drunk and says that we're rich. Reminder, we have now made 100 more dollars than we did the prior day. Yeah. Fancy Jack rolls up. Duke invites him in with, come join us, piglet. Uh, I think all of us are curious if this is racist or how that works with uh, animal people. Uh Well, we do find out later that you shouldn't call them a pig from uh, Bart's sister, Charlotte, or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Question mark? I I guess Duke has the pass. Uh, Jack declines, (laughs) but (laughs) I think I just nearly (laughs) made Chris joke on a sandwich. <laughs> One of my favorite TikToks is a side by side of like the crying, excited white family, and the person recorded themselves holding up a password that set a paper that says the N word pass. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I think I've, 
I think I showed you a short clip of another show the other day that I said is basically the pitch drop experience, which is one black co-host simply responding to someone going, would this blackface bit I thought of be funny enough to overcome the offensiveness? And he's just looking directly into the camera going, okay, look at me, do it. Do it. Post it on Facebook. Post it on all your social. Get that on LinkedIn. This is so good. You got to show the world. And the entire time his co-host is screaming, no, no, this man is the devil. Do not fucking listen to him. That's our shows. One of us will always, one of us is always the one screaming, do it. Even if it is just buy $3,000 worth of anime and the right stuff sale. There's another thing later. Uh, apparently, this person just thinks it's very funny because he's like, "We're taking blackface back." Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, ah. that w- that was the line. No, that's the that's the black guy who says it. They're like, he's okay. like, "Who?" And he's like, "The people that took it from us." <laughs> that that was the line where the co-host ended up screaming. He goes, "I'll say it with you. <laughs> I'm giving you the pass." Anyway. Jack asks us not to lose to anyone else from now on and promises that we are going to meet again at the upper ranks because we are rivals. And as a result of this, he does us a solid. He had already lined up another fight with a higher ranked opponent, but since we have just destroyed his mech, in my case, literally, we get the fight. Jack DMs us the info and leaves. The crew buckles in to celebrate, and the screen fades out before cutting to more midnight strut sessions with Phone Gun, who recaps the story so far. I believe this is actually the part where the loser yeah. robot line comes in. Mm. It was, what was the line? It was like, a loser robot beat the same other loser twice. Who a cares? loser robot got beaten twice by some other losers. Uh... Foam gun still just like this random ass, like essentially cutting to a Danganronpa character uh, every every few minutes. It's still very weird to me. Well, foam gun also exists in the world. So like right now in fights, Hog is our announcer because we're fighting in Hog's impromptu arena. But later, like we'll go on trips to do fights and foam gun will be the announcer in other places in other stadiums. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I'm sure he'll be more congruous soon, but right now he is not congruous to me. No. So we hear some chatter from the news. This morning, a seven-year coma patient has miraculously woken up. That man was Igor Komarov, who is a Russian soldier in the Iraq War when his squad got hit with a mortar, leaving him the sole survivor. Okay, so now we have that the that at least a one Iraq War also happened in this universe. Komarov was known for being a rebel. After being a victim of the Soviet compulsory enlistment program, he was forced to participate in the war he had been so openly against. Before the war, he was a ringleader of the notorious anti-oil war protests across the Soviet Union. Boy, this bit was so much funnier before last week. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That takes us to a new chapter. Chapter 2, Remember the Heist. And it's uh, day 8. 55 days remain and 2 days until our fight with the mech turns out to be called Junker. Um, in this chapter, we'll be getting narration from GW every day. And I just kind of wrote this down literally because they like try pretty hard with the GW's dialogue. Mm-hmm. The translation, not the best all the time, though. I'll tell you that. 
I'm not gonna lie, I started skipping the GW messages at a certain point. Also, skipping I get your character's entire backstory about how they robbed the bank with a tank. They're fucking dead. What do I care about their backstory? They're rotting. Your wow. characters? GW. Yeah, but he's telling you about the story of the characters you're hanging out with. Eh. We know they succeed. Yeah. Also, I think this is the first time we've discussed that you can skip cutscenes, and have either of you seen the incredibly insufferable message it pops up if you do that? I have, but I forgot what it says. It asks if you would like to continue watching or skip the cutscene. Note, every time you skip the cutscene, an artist dies. And you can basically say, yeah, I'll keep going, or what's one more body? Okay. It also pops an achievement for you the first time you do this. Okay. It's named Art Hater. <laughs> All right, so that's one point uh, for the Switch for having uh, vibration, and maybe also one point for the Switch for not having achievements, although uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe there's a funny achievement later. There's not. So GW says, I remember the dust on the road, the taste of the wind. I remember the desert with the blue skies and the burning suns at our backs, the rocks, the plants, the asphalt, the dry air filling up my lungs, scratching my throat, falling asleep, waking up day and night, night and day, running away. All the while, we couldn't stop laughing about it. Sure, we were running away, but not empty handed, for we had committed the perfect heist. Oh, oh. I looked at the achievements, and there is a truly terrifying sentence in here that I'm not going to bring up. Ugh. So, at the morning roundtable, Duke is surprised about something, and we discover Nebraska has a perfect autobiographical memory. Knife thinks, yeah, that's awesome. What'd you do on uh, 9-13-1990? And she says, I wasn't even born yet. Hate it. Pipu asks what she ate on 10-28-2010. She had apples and milk for breakfast and omelets for lunch and dinner. She says they were delicious and asks if any of the gang has eaten Shade's omelet. This is A, not a metaphor, and B, if you did not instantly know that Shade was cooking for her that day based on that breakfast, you have not been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Duke is surprised by this, finding out that Shade can cook. Shade tries downplaying it, but Nebraska insists everyone loved them. Her mother would even ask him to cook for her before performances. We find out that Shade was with a jazz singer. Everyone now insists that Shade cook omelets for them. So you can hit up the Rambler and Gambler for the day to buy ingredients, and on the way out get more of Kaya with her mother. Kaya does not think Shade is after them, but thinks they shouldn't let their guard down. And Sayuki tells her not to worry about it. There's something about the ingredients here, which is you are offered a selection. You can have talked to your various crew members to hear what they want. In theory, if you are playing this on a standard run, you are maybe only going to be able to afford one of these and pick for whoever you like most. But if you buy all of them, you just get a big choice dialogue at the end, like it's Mass Effect. So at this point, the game lets us save again. And because we're in a new chapter, we have a new save note. Uh, we have new save text on the screen from GW. And this one, for Remember the Heist, says, Those were the days. No coin in our pockets, but a desire. Men with a plan. 
Couldn't trust the bullet in my chamber, but I trusted you guys. May they never find out how we did it. They'd never believe it anyways. Those were the days. So we can start kind of making our rounds among the uh, among the points on the map at this point to kind of do our tasks and do the side quest stuff. Uh, I am getting increasingly annoyed at running through the interstitial opening zone in a lot of these places. It does just kind of feel like padding, which the game doesn't really need. So our first stop is the crapyard because uh, Z wanted to talk to us. She thinks that we are on a roll and has a good feeling. She asks about who gave us the mech and, uh, when told, wants to know what GW stood for. Shade says he doesn't know. GW would give a different answer every time he was asked. Z thinks that's weird, and Shade tells her they all had troubled past back then. <laughs> what a... Oh yeah, I changed my name every time. We had a troubled past. Z thinks it's better not to know then, but says, uh, GW does seem familiar somehow. As a Metal Gear Solid fan, I know where this is going. Uh-huh. Our next stop is Hogsyard. If you, uh, check the old business on the way to Hogsyard, it gets a flavor update. Shade misses cozy places like this. He used to drink in small stalls with Coltrane and Oyabun and misses those times. Okay, yeah, I missed so this got... the first time, and later you will find out about a character named Coltrane. I'm like, who the fuck is Coltrane? And uh -huh. Coltrane is mostly mentioned in like flavor like this throughout the game this time, it turns out. It, it, it gotta be a reference to the fact that Shade was a jazz singer. Or Shade was with a jazz singer, rather. It's, you know, Coltrane, jazz, the connections. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we... we Maybe uh... after the Gears of War character, actually. <laughs> fuck. So we can do a brand new job with Hog where we dig up trash like uh, old TVs that he can then sell. This is the best way to make money until we get Hog's next job and it yields some good enough for now mech parts. The main part of note is uh, a mini bar, a head with 140 HP. One thing about this mini game is that Shade's movement cycle, the way that yeah. you, like there's a pause when you turn and there's a pause when you go from walking to running, makes this game pretty finicky. And the precision that you kind of have to approach some of these things to dig, it doesn't really fit with Shade's unwieldy control scheme and can make this kind of annoying to do. I'm sure once you get a shovel upgrade, it it is uh, less obnoxious. But yeah, it is... You can make a lot more money a lot quicker than the biking minigame at this point. You Like, even this episode, you could just add five seconds to the timer, which basically covers for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this game involves you running around a single screen where you will see certain shapes of junk sticking out of the ground. You have to manage a timing-based meter to hit them. If you hit it too fast or just spam the button, you'll break a shovel and that can lead to you ending the whole run early. But if you get the timing down and eventually get to where you start prioritizing the smaller items first because of the fact that you're graded on how many you weighted. dig up, yeah, then this could become very profitable for you, especially if you are lucky enough to get one of the mech parts early on and realize, oh, oh, there's real rewards here. Mm -hmm. When you talk to Hog, Hog isn't feeling down about Jack's defeat. He says he can't always win, but you should learn from a defeat. On the way out, he asks us how things are going with Z. 
He asked because he's used to hearing screaming at night, and it always seems far away, and he thought it was the owls. But yesterday, it sounded like a woman, and it was close enough to send chills down his spine and keep him up all night. He this, followed uh, the sound. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, this was very unsettling to me. Like, it, even though it's just kind of this casual conversation, I was like, oh, geez, Z's up to some really fucked up shit. It, it, it actually sent a chill down my spine, too. God, I cannot wait for you to find out how dumb what's happening is. Oh, great. Okay, good. Good. Thanks, Wolfstride. You expected sincerity from Wolfstride. You fool. You rude. <laughs> you absolute you ninny. Fool. He followed the sa- Hog followed the sound, figuring it was coming from the scrapyard. His guess is Z got a hold of someone and is doing something like dark rituals with them. Whoever it is must be in a lot of pain. Those screams sound desperate. He suggests we look into it, not because he cares about the woman's well-being, but because he wants his sleep back. We head over to the crapyard to follow up, and Z is upset that we even asked and denies the screaming, saying she doesn't need a pig or any number of foreigners taking care of her life. She tells Shade to leave, and on the highway back, Shade wonders what's up with Z and thinks he should come back at night when he has a chance. Also, today is your day, first chance. To miss the pineapple god, to, to meet the pineapple god, <laughs> you could say miss at the cliff. Re- yeah, or miss. You could miss the pineapple god for a while. I'm, I I so, missed the pineapple god. Yeah. So on the where you talk to Oyubon on the way to LTL Hospital, there's a pineapple there in the ground on that ledge, and uh, you speak to the pineapple god, who says, "Greetings, lesser creature. I am the supreme pineapple god, king of all tropical fruits. For I wear a crown." And basically, he also tells you, deliver pineapples to your friends and family, but don't you dare make cakes, pies, or sweets, or I'll make your nipples hard. <laughs> Which, thanks, guy. So, basically, when you go in there, you get, like, a relationship meter. This is just basically a Bioware relationship thing, where you give people pineapples to make a meter go up and get rewards halfway through and at the end. So, like, it's if you ex- give three... Go ahead. Oh, it's also extremely uh, Hades. It's, yeah, Mass yeah. Effect or Hades. If you give Knife three pineapples, like, you get a manual that uh, gives you five seconds more in the digging menu, for example. Stuff like that. I did not do this. I've stopped going to the hospital at all. I think I'm going to see how long I can go without doing this. Just because I've broken, the, I've broken the game in so many other ways, I need a handicap. I mean, it kind of speaks to, I think, my primary mechanical complaint for this game, which is that there is lots, there are lots of treats both uh, in in mechanics and also in backstory that the game hides all over the place, but there's no signaling. And so you can either like repeat a bunch of conversations that you've had before making revisiting an area feel like a waste of time or on the other hand miss something entirely and yeah. you know i i wouldn't want like a big yellow exclamation mark under an area that has new content but there there's got to be some better way to signal that that you haven't cleared everything out in an area it it's it's minorly annoying wolfstride has a lot of first game problems yeah, absolutely. Which is funny, because I don't think this is their first game, it's just their first good one. Yeah. Yeah, the issue is that I expect I should go check everything in something like a Trails game, because there is always something to do. There is always extra dialogue. You are rewarded with extra quests. In this game, for many days at a time, 
nothing changes, nothing changes, nothing changes outside of the people who update daily. And then suddenly I find out that by not going back to the place that you're locked out of going to explicitly by the game, I have missed an entire mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it really seems like they didn't know that they were making basically a visual novel when they did everything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise it wouldn't be, it would be very different. A smarter move would be maybe you have a concussed fancy Jack and you go visit him after a fight and that's a one-way trip to the hospital and then you see this guy. There's something glowing at the cliff. There's a lot of little tweaks they could have done with this and it just irritates me every time, much like on the FF8 season, I discover, congrats, you did not predict what the developers were thinking and so you have kicked yourself in the teeth. The only update at the writer today is there's a new guy there with a guitar leaning on a pillar by a door. Much like the other guy with the robot, he has nothing. I'm assuming one of them is the uh, is the Russian guy who just came out of a coma. I, I'm probably wrong there, but I'm just assuming that one of them is that. My assumption has been these are just teasing out future pilots we're going to fight. We'll see. Yep, I'm just throwing that out. When we return to the hangar, Pipu will announce our presence and puts us to work cooking. You can choose whose recipe you wish to follow and then do a little QTE cooking minigame. Knife desires a strawberry omelet, Nebraska wants veggies, and Duke wants bacon. Uh, I went with strawberry just because I figured that was the thing that most of the people would probably enjoy. Duke shat all over it. I did it because I thought it would be the funniest. Uh, I cooked the veggie omelet for Nebraska because I'm desperately trying to beat the deadbeat dad allegations, trying to get as many brownie points with Neb as possible early. That'll be that'll be that'll be a great clip for my excellent later. It's you saying I'm trying to beat deadbeat dad allegations. (laughs) (laughs) What is? Nope, nope, not going to go down the rabbit hole of what is the NB term for dad. I'm Brad. still so fucking it's mad Brad. at nibbling, like just so mad. Uh, my best friends have a baby and they're always going to have the baby call me cousin because we <laughs> hate the word nibbling so much. <laughs> I I have a pen that, that just says your weird it. aunt. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, After all of this, there is a conversation where you can learn the ability to buy new cowboy moves from Pipu. And uh, Duke has a line somewhere in here where he says that his fighting style is not doggy style. It is a blazing samurai uppercut. Uh, This fucking, this game, just the whiplash between jokes that make me laugh and jokes that make me roll my eyes is just, I mean, it it's like one after another. It's like, oh, that one ruled. Oh, that one is really annoying. Oh, that other one ruled. And this doggy style exchange, you can keep talking and they just camp out on doggy style for one too many rounds. And I went from being like, ha to, okay, okay, get it over with. The other thing here, though, speaking of speaking of like just like hidden joys inside the ability store itself, uh, the scrolling text on the top and bottom of the screen says, Pipu teaches you, but you never learn. (laughs) 
Uh, the issue is just camping out on that running the joke in throughout. You can have repetitive humor that works. You can have very dumb or juvenile humor that works. But it has to be... something wrong with the coin star. <laughs> it has to be smart enough dumb humor. One of my favorite things airing right now is the Beavis and Butthead revival. A sentence I didn't think I was going to say, but it's fucking genius in the stupidity of it. Because mm -hmm. you can spend an entire episode where the two of them fall into an open manhole, and because it smells like sewage, they think that they've died and gone to hell, and they're trying to make their way up to Satan's throne. And <laughs> none of it goes farther than them standing in a hole smelling like shit for most of the runtime. But you can mind that for so many good jokes just by the virtue of thinking about what the funniest stupid thing someone would say is. <laughs> Yeah, it. Uh, I I'm gonna have to check the Beavis and Butthead revival out. It's, you really uh, are. It's great. What, I'm not gonna pretend name? that I will. I don't Mike like Judge. Uh, Mike Judge. Mike Judge is like so unbelievably hit and miss for me. Sometimes he knocks it out of the park, and sometimes I'm like, "Buddy, what the fuck are you doing?" So I'm exciting. not gonna pretend I'm ride or die for everything he does. I hate King of the Hill, but mm -hmm. I also think that he and the people around him have just such a perfect gift for dumbass dialogue. I thought Silicon Valley was not worth my time to complete, but also I still think of some definite lines from that series because you brought piss to a shit fight screamed at a child <laughs> is one of the best things that I can think of and is also very pitch drop core. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, super briefly the other cool thing about peepoo's ability store is that each ability has its own unique logo uh and some of the logos are really sick i love that you can learn a move named after uh knife's nieces <laughs> yep yeah there's a lot of jokes in here that you might not recognize are jokes yet unless you've been paying attention or you might get context over the coming days yeah yeah so, at the end of the day, we have our usual table chat and closure, and Pipu will give us intel on our opponent for tomorrow, Junker. Its pilot is a former mechanic named Hart. Junker is a close combat specialist, so Pipu suggests we take advantage of our range. <laughs> I'll yeah, tell you I didn't do stories. that either. <laughs> oh no, I did that. I did that. Uh, Junker is also tanky and uses defense-boosting techniques. These are irritating until you have a counter. Duke is upset when he finds out the fight is the day after tomorrow. That movie has bad memories for him. But <laughs> Nebraska tells us Hart is rank 290, and if we can beat her, we jump seven ranks. Nebraska then goes to bed while the adults all fuck around at the table, drinking and playing dominoes. Duke asks Shade what he's going to do about Nebraska, and Shade says... Well, I'm going to send her back. Shade refuses to tell Duke their situation, and Duke gives it to him straight, pointing out a 14-year-old has just crossed the country alone solely to see him. And this is where Shade admits, All right, all right, Nebraska is my kid.
And then we get another New Day title card. Day 9, 54 days remaining. One day to Junker. And GW narrates again for us. And he says, The first one was the dog, if I remember correctly. Old-ass punk. Looked all beaten up. His mother was a figure, old-ass rugged lady, with the voice of a camel going through, the, through a needle, shrieking. Second was the kid. Everyone called him that. Young brat. Promising future, wasting his nine-to-five at the bank. Keeping others' money, never his own. Day in and out. I swear to God, he was just bored. Third one spelled trouble by the way he walked. A runaway like me. Had taken a man's life or so I'd heard. We had nothing to lose. At the start of the day... Everybody's gathered around a game console in the hangar. It's broken, but Nebraska thinks she can fix it. Uh, she and Shade used to play lots of video games together. Knife plays a lot with his nieces. <laughs> Knife plays a lot with his nieces, and so he's also in on this uh, whole fix the console plan. I hate Peepoo... nieces to pieces. <laughs> Peepoo is going to link it to the cowboy's cockpit so that he can play games from there. And Nebraska says there's a famous mecha fighting game going on right now called Ultimate Golden God Super Brawl Definitive Edition. She and Peepoo think that they might be able to use it for Knife's training. Who says that video games cannot uh, translate to real world experience? Yeah, well, we'll find out that they're just play basically got Steel Battalion 3 early, so... <laughs> You act like there's ever going to be a Steel Battalion 3. There will be. Probably. Will, nope. Look. Yeah, it's, no. No good idea will not be exploited for profit. For but that's two of the most infamous failures in the genre. You call it a good Steel idea. Steel Battalion 1 was... It was... It was! Steel Battalion 1 was so good! It was also a massive boondoggle. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it wasn't good. I'm talking about no one is going to revive the thing that has become known as the game with the $200 controller and why would the they failure not? of the Connect. Like, as like AR stuff becomes more popular, that seems like a win for Steel Battalion. It will be back. You act like FromSoft is ever going to put in the money to develop an AR game that isn't just they already another, did a VR game. Another fucking fairy simulator, as I was yeah, about whatever. to say. <laughs> I don't I don't need a lot. You can't I say would that also. I would prefer willing Virtual on 4 into existence more than Steel Battalion 3. It's going to happen. Why it's going to be both? in Yakuza. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that may be sad. Um, I'm not wrong. No, you're not. We do our crew check-in for the day. Duke does not under like or understand why anyone likes video games, which I find deeply relatable. <laughs> People declare. Beepoo declines to play games with us. He's too good. He plays in his mind all the time, and then he pretends to kill us with a sword in a video game before saying, just kidding, I'm actually playing Cookie Mama. Knife made me consider, think about some life choices for a second here, because Knife is like, I play video games all the time with my niece. Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, and Fatal Frame. And Nebraska's like, how old are they? And he's like, oh, Tiara is seven, and Ribbon will be five next month. That's the life <laughs> my child lives. Exactly. Yeah. Nebraska actually then. has a really good horrified response to this. Just yeah. a face. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, every now and then you're like, oh yeah, uh, my my kid is watching insert extremely gory zombie movie here. It's great. And it, I'm just like, is she old enough? And you're like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, who cares? I turned out all right. Kid watched, 
Like I watched Akira last week. It was fine. Oh, amazing. The look I just got when I said I turned out all right. Ryan just gave me a side eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, you turned uh, out. Listen, I, I was just, I was just looking at my notes. I was just looking at my notes on the other screen, Sybil. It wasn't mm-hmm. about you, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she and you... Oh, wrong one. Here, Nebraska is trying to figure out where to plug in a cable and needs an op- needs us to get her an optical drive for her Super Nintendo. You know, like they had. Mm-hmm. We head off to Hogsyard first. Yeah, that's true. We follow up on the screaming out with Hog, and Hog suspects Z is hiding something. Hog has a lot of insults for Z, and ultimately suggests we also check it out ourselves at night. At the writer today, there is a woman and girl in the booth with the TV. The mother, Charlotte, asks what the girl thought of the food. Margaret says it's pretty edible and well-seasoned, and wants to know when they're going to see the pig. Turns out Margaret is a fan of Fancy Jack. Charlotte is unimpressed, pointing out he's not even ranked, and says Margaret is the only reason their sister took on his challenge. They chit-chat about our win over Jack and seem perplexed by Cowboy. However, they're very confident Hart will win, which for Margaret means avenging Fancy Boy, and for Charlotte, cashing in and leaving Rain City. At this point, you can presume that you've gotten the drive, and Nebraska will say that it takes some time to fix the console. Knife then tells us Jack came by looking for Shade, and Shade says he'll swing by. So we go back to the hog's yard again here, and uh, Jack wants some advice from Shade. Uh, Hog asks why doesn't Jack just get advice from him, and Jack is like, Uncle, you can't help with this one. We then, like, retreat to, I think it's, a couch like a it's like a crash pad at the very top of like a junked mech in the uh in hog's yard and uh shade looks around it's a mountain of cars if you scroll down like a little bit okay it's a mountain of cars and uh and uh shade is looking around goes a cool place you got here jack starts asking uh if our fight with junker is still on he's interested in its pilot heart Jack thinks that she has a cool background and wants to get to know her, but she's way out of his league. Jack is asking Shade because he thinks Shade looks like a ladies' man. Jack didn't arrange the fight for this. He really thought he could win, but he's trying to break out uh, for himself and wants to talk to him. Shade tells Jack he's barking up the wrong tree. He's only dated one girl. Hog is like, oh my god, a kindred spirit, both incels. Um, Shade then tries to leave, but Jack keeps him around saying Shade has a score of one and he is a zero. Jack wants to know how he managed it, and Shade says, I didn't do anything. It just kind of happened. I was in the right place at the right time. Jack pries and Shade tells him that it happened at a small bar and that she used to sing there. Uh, He gives Jack a very experiential explanation of what happened, saying that uh, she reminded him of himself. He was trapped once she opened that devilish smile. He has this like line here that says to think I fell for a bunch of teeth, which I think is really good. Yeah, that's great. Shade felt as though Cherry could see right through him in all his artifice. She came to him and sat down next to him and bought him a rub of cola, saying it resembled him. Dark with a bit of sweetness in it, the kind of poison she wouldn't mind tasting. Uh, They talked for days. They could see through each other. Her allowed tomboy and him shy little scum. Uh, he hated all the vulnerability, but was soothed by not having to pretend. 
then one day, she just vanished. He went to every bar in the city looking for her. It was pouring the day he finally found her as she was exiting a bar into a back alley. They stayed together for about three years before they split up. Jack loves the story, but says that that doesn't help him with the whole being single thing. And Shane <laughs> tells him that there's nothing wrong with that. Each person isn't a puzzle with missing pieces. They are whole beings. There's a like a re- repeated fade in and out to like very quickly from like them on top of the mountain of cars to like the black screen with the cherry blossoms. Like every time Jack speaks, they just go really back quick to the junkyard. I yep. like that a lot. The conversation wraps up and internally Shade regrets sharing like that. I just a couple of notes about this conversation. Overall, I really loved it. I loved this heart to heart about love and humanity with these characters a lot. But in my notes, I said first regarding Shade, okay, maybe not maybe maybe try not to hate yourself this much, but oh, like just you can you can you can stop with the self-hate a little bit and then immediately I I say, "Okay, but Fancy Jack is not your live journal, my guy." But I also uh, fancy Jack's shocked portrait when he finds out that uh, Shade is not, in fact, a ladies' man is really good. It's yeah. just like extremely dark with high contrast. It's it's very funny. Yeah, I think this game's art works solely because of the black and white aesthetic. I think mm-hmm. if they had to color this in, this game would be fucked. Yeah, They're definitely like designed to their ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they use the contrast well, especially when you do invert things or play with that a bit. But yes, uh, very high chance that this could have gone badly if they tried to, let's just kindly say, triple their art budget with that. Yeah, I mean, especially like this whole game, like the, the this season, this the season so far is about how Wolfstride is on this like tonal tightrope this whole time and like one thing out of place really clangs and and is like really obnoxious and then when it hits it really hits and so like yeah just I mean it's a huge thing development wise but a little thing in terms of actual like choices being made I think you're totally right my favorite part is that you say one thing clangs and you didn't just name people <laughs> Anyhow, back at the hell. Yeah, the first thing, right? Like, I like, here's the thing about Peepoo. I like Peepoo most of the time, except when he's saying pee really loud and gratingly. Uh-huh. Other than that, I think Peepoo is extremely funny. And the problem is, those are the things they shove into the main scenes that you can't miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a problem. Although, you got to check in with Peepoo to find out that Peepoo is very funny. Yeah. Well, It's a problem that, since I keep making this unintended comparison between the games, the Trail series has, especially by the time of the Cold Steel games, where you have such a large party and you can spend time with certain people you prefer, those people cannot develop in their side stories because what if you were playing around with other characters? So the ones who are flat are flat all game long unless they have Mm. their one story beat uh i'm just going to say the young musician who is a great character in your party has no fucking story arc for the first two games because Mm. he has one plot beat and we can't give him anything to do he has no personality behind i like to play music reen why don't we go busking in the big city for a time (laughs) shut up elliot 
you're great. I want you to get some party boosts. I want you to have better link attacks with me, but also shut the fuck up about your violins. Anyhow, back at the hangar, the console is fixed and Nebraska managed to get Cowboy's data into the game. I like to imagine that this is just the world's most fucked up creative character, like it's Street Fighter VI, but for Mecha, but it probably <laughs> isn't. However, the idea of a little stubby Seems doll like Yugen, but like with street death. You, you could really come up with so many terrible, terrible ways to describe this game, and I would bristle at all of them. Yeah, I don't know. This seems kind of like Rune Factory if you added a bit of a Fortnite thing to it. (laughs) (laughs) Now all they have to do is fight other mechs and load their data in. Snife can now train in his cockpit with Cowboy's controls. And so... You have a battle mode where you can do as much combat as you want and iterate on your build. This is the only way you can practice between major events. Uh, I give it to them. So you can find out how big of a spike the next event will be. Because eventually Mm -hmm. the enemies will tear up and you're like, oh, God. Okay. Or you can be a sicko like me and use this and grind through the... What you want to do is grab the battle pass immediately and then every day fight a few battles and then you get a new part tier and then you go back to it. And that's what it's supposed to be doing to tell you, hey, knock this off. And every few fights you get some kind of reward, either something that'll make a job more profitable, straight up money or different parts. They will arrive at your mailbox on the way out of the hangar. This is the number one way to make money until late in the game. If you are a sicko who designs an RNG build like me, you can then use this to go through the entire battle pass. And I have parts that are spoilers now. I can't discuss my build for another couple episodes. (laughs) Very excited to find out what sicko RNG builds you had, though. Oh, yeah. When I say I turned into Spider-Man, I mean it. Oh, I see. Okay, Mm -hmm. I get it. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, just super briefly. The the one thing that that makes these optional fights uh, tolerable is that you don't because they're virtual. You don't have to repair your mech each time. Oh, Otherwise, uh, the rewards would would not outstrip the costs. No, uh, this keeps you from basically having to work. Right, right. So then uh, we hit end of day nine. Shade and Nebraska are hanging out on the highway looking at the moon. Shade tells her she did great today and cracks a smile at her. Nebraska tells him she misses the old times. Shade asks about Cherry, who he learns is still doing all right. Shade apologizes. He's been meaning to talk to her and it took too long. He asks her why she came. She tells him she just wanted to see him again. After some more small talk, he tells Nebraska that she should leave. She doesn't belong here. But she likes it here. Everyone is nice and they have a sick mech. Shade pushes back, telling her, no, really, she should not be here. He says none of them know about kids, and it's for her own good. He uh, he bought her a ticket, but it's for a week away. I thought that this was going to be one more extremely well-trodden character beat for Shade's type of guy in making Nebraska leave. But then he's like, it's mecha season. And I started to smile as Nebraska gets extremely stoked that she gets to actually hang out for a week and stick around. Shade talked to her mother. She can stay for a while. And so uh, in the meantime, they're going to go fuck up some other mechs together. Hell yeah. 
and then it's day 10 with 53 days remaining, and it's the night, uh, night of the fight with Junker. Uh, our GW intro here is that my cousin served for two years and some scraps. The bastard had an itchy trigger finger, didn't fire a fart on the army. Just a waste of his time, said the government owed him that much. A glorious death, I mean. Soldier stuff. He wanted to be a hero, but they sent him back. Sure, kid, but this ain't that kind of war. Came back lost, not a petty to his name, so he and some folks, they swiped a tank. M1A1. I figured, if we're gonna rob a bank, hell, we could use some trinkets. Boy, as someone who lived in the city where a guy broke into an armory and stole a tank in the 90s, (laughs) that's a hell of a story. Sure Uh, is. Yep. I remember the fucking highways being closed off because someone was just driving that fucker down the 15. And then we hard cut from this to Peepu standing on the table with his legs out. Uh, I don't know how else to describe that. Peepu has long legs that are not always out. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's shouting about how today is fight day. He gets censored a lot, complains about it, and then tells Dife he should do something about it and tries to emotionally manipulate him by calling him father. <laughs> Duke tells, like, Peepoo to shut his trap, and then he goes, her trap, Marlene is the name, and now Peepoo has, like, a robot Bob, and, like, <laughs> the the title is Marlene, the name is Marlene now, very good. We get a message from ZZ saying she has some new merch, and we should check it out before the fight. Oh, if you've done some of the um, battle game, you know that the next fight is, like, winnable, but tight, and you don't have to, but it'll definitely make it a lot easier. I love, by the way, one of the moves you can learn that I thought was very good is you can learn a defensive move called unnatural self-esteem, which increases <laughs> your nano gauge. And the description is just in all caps. You are beautiful and perfect. Repeat louder. <laughs> this is me. This is how I win fights. That's right. <laughs> Increasing your nano gauge. That's right. Mm-hmm. This would actually I did not buy this, but this would be extremely effective because one of the things that makes the enemy as annoying is how they have a very high recharge rate on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few that moves like this are great for, but we're not there yeah. yet. There's literally nothing else happening today, so we call in ZZ. Uh, she gives us a new prototype mainframe, which gives us three AP and levels up our repair. So we get 40 HP per 50 RD. So like repair costs don't scale out of control. And now we are at the battle with Heart and the Junker Mech. This is a new arena where we first find out that, yes, those can vary. It's still seven squares across, but the center three are where the bonuses are instead of near the edge. There's some early chatter between the pilots, and she calls Knife and herself rookie prodigies of the generation. So, as we were told, she opens the fight with a guard being tanky, which you could just obliterate right away if you have the right build, because you could just like rifle burst a move in at cowboy punch. And then you get to find out that this enemy is not running wizardry protocol and has no way to get it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did the fights go? You should go first. Yeah, you, you go right. first. Uh, the notes of the fight are actually really sparse compared to Fancy Jack, because I didn't get to see it very much at all because of my build. Uh, my build had three move points. Both of the arm frames gave two ammo, and I took guard and seatbelt lockdown, knockback punch, and cowboy punch, and rifle burst, but with no reload. So um, basically, because I had such high movement plus knockback abilities, she would get pushed back two to three squares every round. 
uh, and in the first two rounds with rifle burst, I was able to like strip all the armor. So like within three rounds, both arms were destroyed and like the fight was already locked. And I just alternated like cowboy knockout punch while she was in the corner and could never escape. So I've blazed through the battle pass. I'm not going to go into what some of the specific parts are because I want to call them out later when we have plot context for them. But this robot did not even get to approach me. I've now got eight ammo between my arms, range five moves, and I just shot the core out from across the field like a goddamn sniper. If anyone gets close to me in the trainer, I have two moves which are very low, which are basically a tiered knockback shove him and then hit him for low damage, but break some guard and push him back. And then I just start shooting them in the head and the core over and over until they collapse. The problem is if they get enough guard or you will actually come to find out if you do enough stuff in the trainer, you don't always have the same speed on who goes first. If they build up enough guard, this is a very situational build, and it can fuck me as they're able to replenish it faster than I can knock it down. Well, that's why you probably, when you get a chance to buy it, you'll want to incorporate, like, Night Eater, which is, like, a three-square-away flamethrower that will, like, peel off, like, 20-30 armor. Really strong for, like, even, like, I a close-range build. I haven't equipped it because it doesn't go with the rest of everything. I have to remove a too-useful move. Once I get the final slots. Yes, that's probably going on. My strategy was mostly Chris's strategy, but because of my like weird desire to make things as difficult as possible for me, I hadn't really tricked out my mech that much. And so uh, when she was able to like scramble back into position, it just made it made the fight more of a war of attrition where I had to outlast some of her guards while I was like, you know, knocking her to the edge of the arena uh, with the knockback punch and then wailing on her when she was at the edge and then she would like push me back again and so it was just this kind of very protracted back and forth for me and i think once you get the arms down it's mathematically impossible to lose because even if you only have like half ass punch you can do 60 damage over two rounds and then she can only heal 50 so it would mm-hmm. just take a long time but it is inevitable once the arms are down because there's no revival on this battle and after we wrap this, we will learn uh, NAP armor. So, you know, the non-aggression protocol is in effect and cactus guard. Which is uh, very good. Yes. Yeah. Very into the end game. And the gang will now celebrate at the writer again, having reached rank 290. Joy is starting to say out loud, hey, I might be able to earn a living here if you guys keep winning and spending like this. Knife offers to buy everyone drinks, and Duke is all hype about it until it occurs to him that it is coming out of the prize money. (laughs) And that is the close on day 10. Yeah, what do we think about the stretch? I like that it's finally open. I like that it is now done cheating me. Now that I can actually engage with the game as a game during the segments that are gameplay, this is lovely. Yeah, you get to play the game, and the game is great. I agree. And also the characters have settled in a little bit more. So the only one who consistently annoys me is Pipu, And only when he's peeing, I I, like something that something that struck me in this round of playing for the show is, and I, I don't know what to do with this yet. 
so like, you know, mech stories are about bodies that, you know, big Austin Walker tagline, mech stories are about bodies. And the way that the party works seems to be playing with that a little bit. I don't know if it's deliberate or not, but like, so the pilot itself, the person who is piloting the mech is essentially a non-player character party member unless you're actually fighting. You're only controlling him when battling and the person that you are embodying in the story is shade more than the other characters. And so it's like, okay, in battles, does that, because we're not issuing orders to knife like knife is fighting himself but we only control him when he's inside the mech and people actually in some of his dialogue says like hey nerd he says hey p nerd are you calling the shots you say jump donkey says how high so like the the game is aware that it's doing this i just don't know if it's trying to go for the like you know theme of um like piloting a body-shaped thing and sometimes the interface between the two breaks down and that can say something about you know our relationship to our own bodies etc but it did really come into focus for me that the loop of this game uh makes us not embody knife leopard as much as we would if if he was the character that we were controlling in the like town scenes and the visual novel scenes I think on that note, it's worth pointing out that this is not a party-based game as much as, let's just make an easy comparison here, a Xenogears, where we have a cast of characters, but we only have control over, let's say, three of them, given what I know. I don't know if it's going to extend to everyone. I don't think it is. It's basically and, like a persona if you didn't bring your party into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is a distinction between when you swap characters in how the game plays, and some of that is very good. The actual combat and action and everything being the training that Knife is doing. The fact that handling the money, being the one in charge of ops is... Uh, Shade's decision and then uh, Duke currently exists just hammering away mm-hmm. yeah I I think what it is is that Duke is doing the work that makes it possible for you to tear up with instructions from Duke because basically mm-hmm. Duke is doing the work that increases your compatibility with market parts mm-hmm. yes it's uh they just don't really call that out so Duke feels like he doesn't other than grumpy, which it, I can do. As a gameplay mode, we don't really have any equivalent for Duke's work right now. God, imagine Duke doing the bicycle delivery. <laughs> Just swearing, calling calling the job crap the whole time when we're probably actually delivering crap. At least yeah. once. This episode is where I became very glad that I recommended Wolf Strider, that I remembered it correctly, because like my memory and what Wolf Stride is is like a real 7 out of 10, but like with like 10 out of 10 heart, mm-hmm. which is what I like about it. It's a lot like a, uh, kind of like a Final Fantasy 15 is kind of like that, but mm-hmm. they didn't have as much space for characters as Wolf Stride does. Yeah, yeah. Also, 
I've gotten more used to the tonal whiplash, how it gets like very melancholy and sad and then immediately goes for comedy and then immediately goes for a badass moment. Like that has, I, I, I understand the rhythms of the game and it took five hours of what can be as short as a 12 to 16 hour game for me to get there. But, um, it, I'm glad that it's there because now I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see what it's going for and I can take it on its own terms more now that I know what the terms actually look like. It, it's not that it really has its own tone, but that it wants you to get all of the to- various tones that could, you could experience in like a mechanic. It's, try, mm-hmm. it's playing in all of all of them at once. Right. Like, these people just clearly love robots and robot animals. Yeah. Well, you've teed me up for what was an unkind thing I was going to say, but these are... I take it both of you are familiar with the shorthand of I fucking love science guys? Yes. Yeah, yeah basically Elon Musk simps. The kind of people who don't actually love science, they just want a religion that they can class up as something without actually having to think about it. These guys are I fucking love robots guys, and thus far... I don't know that they really land the actual genre convention so much as the wow, cool robot side. Chris implies that there's going to be something to that. They're not gonna, they're not gonna land. Like you're going to be disappointed if you want, if you're interested in like robots and bodies. And this is more, this is a show about everyone else on the Ideon except the Ideon pilots. I mean, I'm fine with that. I love me a fucking Hathaway, which is, not about yeah. the robots. Mm-hmm. There I are think... robots there, and they're cool, but the game is not about that. No, no. Right. I want something that is about the politics and things around it. And this looks like it might be dabbling in that, especially with some oh. of the world building. Well, That's where I was there. going. That's I, where you're going to get, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, thus far, they're not landing it because they're doing the background, but I want to see where it goes. Just, just just so we're really clear for like for like Ryan, we're not going to deal with like how Knife gets PTSD from fighting the robot. That's just <laughs> not the kind of thing that Rolf yeah. tried is interesting. That's fine. Yeah. I rewatched V Gundam. I'm happy. <laughs> God, I love victory. Yeah. Do we have any Do we have any commercials for the listeners before we leave? You can find other shows on the network at pitchdrop.cash if you want to hear all of us doing different things on the private feed. Yeah, uh, gonna shout out Icons and Icons. We are deep into Heaven's Word now. That show is a dollar a month. It's Chris and I. It's uh, been a good time, um, even when we are complaining about uh, the annoying gameplay and the uh, fantasy racism. Fantasy racism is also real-world racism. Right, right. And by the time this episode comes out, you will have heard the teaser episode for a new show between Matt Marcus and I, Radio Manga, which will be dropped occasionally on the feed, where we just discuss various titles that we have picked up in all sorts of genres. It's not all Yuri. Matt will do anything but read a book. (laughs) I'll have you know we did actually go into a breakdown about real literature for one moment. I love how you're saying that, Chris, at the same time that you're reading the fucking Malazan Book of the Fallen. <laughs> like, That's right. It's just the biggest book. Wait, it's supposed to be it's... pronounced Malazan? 
it's it's that's how the author wants it pronounced but he is also given up and he's he's just dealt with the fact that everyone says malazan yeah okay cool because that makes me think of lozenges (laughs) yeah my answer to him telling me how he wants to say it is shut up loser (laughs) this is where uh matt beeps out everything that he just said with a p (laughs) anyhow yeah we have extra content for you yeah check it out our raid leader is still not through Stormblood, and they've been there. They have not done any MSQ for like six months. I think it is a race to see if we will get through Stormblood before they do. <laughs> nice. Which probably not. It will be two years. Yep. Peace out, fuckers. Bye. See ya next time.